This is Paul Moody, and you're listening to Fulham Focus Podcast. Hello, Happy New Year. Welcome to the Fulham Focus Podcast. We are back, albeit slightly less than planned, given all the picks of disruption over the festive break. The UK's been plunged back into lockdown this week, but the football season rumbles on against the backdrop of this awful pandemic. The last couple of weeks have had it all, with the obvious exception of Fulham matches, but it seems we will go ahead this weekend with the FA Cup third round tie at QPR, which we will of course be looking ahead to very shortly. Baldo and Stato are here with me, so let's get right on with it. Fulham. So we ended up having just one game over Christmas in the end, that being the 0-0 draw at home to Southampton on Boxing Day. And that was, of course, our fourth Premier League draw in a row before the match away at Spurs was postponed at very late notice due to the COVID outbreak at the club, which hadn't cleared up in time for the trip to Burnley last Sunday either. Alexander Mitrovic was, of course, shown to be breaking COVID regulations on New Year's Eve in videos plastered all over the internet too. It was an unusual Christmas break and rather embarrassing too, Baldo, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You just think with all that is going on in the world right now, you just want to have that one thing to think, oh, at least we've got football to sort of get us through it. And then you think, oh, it's not happening. And then it gets even worse when you realise that part of the problem is what the players, you know, the players at your club are doing. Like, I don't know what started the initial outbreak. Again, it could have been, it could have been an accident, you know, someone getting a home delivery and the delivery driver having COVID, which is fine. That sort of stuff happens. But then you see the stuff with Alexandra Mitrovic over New Year's and you just think you're not helping the situation. Like even if he was clean and, you know, is negative everything, the optics of it just aren't that good in the situation that we're in. So whilst you hope that you get something, the fact that it's your club and your players that are, causing all of this like I'm sure Spurs fans have the same sort of feeling with La Celso, Regulon and one other whose name is escaping me right now with their instinct it's the same sort of thing you just hope that it's not your players causing it but we just happen to be on the receiving end of it the thing is how stupid have you got to be we've just had a match called off it's right in the public eye and then a video emerges of of Mitro celebrating uh, New Year's Eve um all over the internet. It's it's just so stupid. What an absolute fucking idiot he is. Stato, your thoughts? Yeah, that that's one way of putting it. It, it was a very stupid thing to do. Um it is worth pointing out that it probably wasn't solely him that caused the COVID outbreak. We don't know what caused the COVID outbreak. Chances are the club probably followed protocol like all other clubs and we just got a bit unlucky because someone probably went to a shop or something and it got it from there and it spread from there. But we, we just don't know. But yeah, to then... Uh, yeah, no, the fact- no, one's, no one's saying that he caused it, but just a couple of days after we've had a match called off because there's a COVID outbreak at the club, he does that. I mean, absolutely yeah. stupid, thick, thick uh- idiot. Absolutely. And you have to question, you know, the fact he's not even playing in the team anymore. Is this kind of, is this curtains for Mitrovic now? Is this the end of him? Because he wasn't playing. Parker clearly doesn't like him for some reason at the moment. He's not in great form. And then this just, this is just the icing on the cake. So you need to question what his future is at Fulham now, really. Well, all right, let's, let's draw a line under that. Let's just 
quickly go back and look at that Southampton game, the only game that we had over Christmas. Another draw, nil-nil. We got away with a couple of offside decisions. Walcott stuck one away in the last minute. Thankfully, on this occasion, VAR came to our rescue. Baldo, can you cast your mind back a couple of weeks back to Boxing Day and give a, a summary of that performance? Um, if I can remember much of it, it's been such a long time. There's been so many other things. But yeah, it was an okay performance. I know we've discussed many times in the focus group chat whether or not a draw is a good result. You know, uh, our friend Matt Dom is causing a bit of argument saying that the Liverpool result wasn't a good result because it was a draw and then you've seen what Liverpool have done. But I think it, given the circumstances, we're avoiding defeat and that's all you can really ask for them at the moment. Should we have turned them into wins? Yes, probably. But I'd much rather get... Out of these sorts of games, I'd much rather be going away with one point than zero points. So, yeah, good result. And for you, Stato, how was how was that Southampton performance for you? I mean, Southampton have just just beaten Liverpool at home. They've, they're in form at the moment. They arguably should have beaten us. I think Ward-Prowse hit the crossbar with that free kick, didn't he? And then, as I said, those those two disallowed goals. Did we get away with one there, do you think? Um, it's an interesting one because on the face of it, it's a very informed Southampton team and drawing 0-0 is actually quite a, a credible result. But in the long term, because we haven't got wins against the teams we should be getting wins against, like the Palaces, the Newcastles, the Villas, Brighton, etc., we need, we need to, we're having to try and get better results against these better teams. So although a draw is a good result, it's a game that we kind of needed to win. It was a home game against you know a non-top six opposition and it's kind of one of those games that we did kind of need to win but at the same time our point is good so I guess only only time will tell whether this was a good point in the grand scheme of things as the game progressed you know they were the better team they had to sell out goals they were injury depleted they didn't have Danny Yings or Romeo or Vestergaard so you know I feel there was an opportunity there to kind of sneak the three points but hey we didn't we got the draw and you know we're still four games undefeated yeah, that, that's the obvious positive, isn't it? But we've now got to find time to fit in Spurs and Burnley away later in the season. Baldo, do you think this could work to our advantage as we look to strengthen the squad during the January transfer window so we may have some better players when we come to play these games? Plus, you've also got the advantage, surely, of Spurs having a, a very congested fixture schedule with the Europa League to contend with too. Or do you think that it could be outweighed by the negative of falling behind the relegation rivals pack points-wise, albeit with the games in hand. Uh, I think it's somewhat a tad too early to be calling that bit because we talk about, you know, Spurs and their Europa League run. For all we know, they could get knocked out in the first round. So that problem, we don't have to deal with that. But I do think the whole point of fixture congestion, all we've really done is just postponed it for, for, the, for the most part. Rather than having to play, you know, Spurs and Burnley on, what, four days between each other? That just means that we're going to have to go through a spell later on in the season in either March or April, where we have to play, you know, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday in order to get these sorts of games in, which then you know, back to your earlier point. We are probably going to need to get better players in because at the moment, I don't think we've got the necessary squad depth to be able to contend with that situation, especially especially up front. So January is going to be crucial, not just for, you know, not just for the whole season, but those particular games, because those those are arguably going to be crucial. Because those are the games we're going to have to play catch up. Because you know, for the until March or April time, whenever we see the league table, yes, we're going to have two games in hand, but we're going to be a little bit off the mark 
when it comes to that because of those games in hand. So those those games are now probably must-win games as a result. Stato spares away and Burnley away being must-win games later in the season to try and, you know, get our heads back Eesh. above water again. Doesn't doesn't sound great, does it? Our record at Burnley's awful and I, I don't fancy our chances at Spurs either, to be honest. Yeah, sorry to put a downer on that. Yeah, well, it's not a case that they're the must-win games. It's the fact that later on in the season, we're going to have all these must-win games and then we're going to have all these games crammed in either side. I think we're not... It's not as bad as it seems. It's just the two extra midweek games. You know, it's a team of professionals. We're in the Premier League. We're playing significantly less lesser amount of games than we were in the Championship where we were playing midweek a lot. So if this team can't handle a few more midweek games here or there, then you have to question the fitness and the integrity of the team. But yeah, it's going to be tough. Um, I don't quite like the fact that we're going to have games in hand and the relegation rivals may pull away from us. I always prefer just playing the games up front, getting the points on the board and letting the other teams play catch up because all these kind of extra games now, they put extra pressure on those games. You know, we're, we can get other relegations on by winning our two games in hand over Brighton, but then there's extra pressure on those two games for all of a sudden to actually try and win them, which, you know, doesn't help matters. But... Yeah, it's, it's sort of a small spanner in the works, but hopefully you know, it will come good. I think the January transfer window will be important for us, particularly in the attacking sense. Um, you know, We mentioned earlier that we're four games unbeaten, but we've scored like one go in that time. That was against Liverpool. And, oh, there was a young go against Newcastle as well, but we're just simply not scoring enough goals. So it's kind of imperative in January that we get some form of attacking reinforcements in. Yeah, you, you mentioned the January transfer window, which of course is now open. But you, you've you've got to think to yourself at the moment uh, how many how many potential signings are going to come to the Fulham training ground with a COVID outbreak. So I guess they can they can do all the kind of negotiations and stuff on Zoom. But I don't know quite how negotiations would be hampered by by that sort of thing. You know, they, they sound like the sort of thing that would be best done face to face. But I want to just get a quick word from both of you on, on what we need in the January transfer window. Obviously, some sort of attacking um, force, as you say. You know, we, we need a centre forward who can who can play in this system, who's, who's got some pace and, you know, who can draw defenders out and hit you know help us on the counter attack and uh, i also think we need we maybe need another one as well you know that that right um right wing spot right forward spot has been one of those positions all season where we've looked particularly weak we've kind of tried bobby reed and we've tried cavalero um but we need we need somebody else out there with potentially ryan babble being mooted as well so um baldo i'll come to you first what, where else do we need to strengthen apart from up front, if anywhere? I don't. I don't think we need to really strengthen. I think up front is the first is really the only port of call in my mind. But first, first things first, we need to cut. We need to get rid of some people because, as you know, unless things change, and I've been calling for this, unless the Premier League changes their twenty-five man squad rule, then we have to get rid of. We have to get rid of some people, you know, and even those aren't who aren't in the 25 man squad. You know, we are paying Seri, for instance, um, to basically sit around to do nothing. Kevin McDonald, Stephanie Hansen, and I think it's Josh Onomer is the other one. But I imagine Onomer will say, but those sorts of players, we need to get them out so that we can afford to bring in people. And then within the 25 man squad, I think uh, Tim, I think Maxine Marchant is probably a name that can probably find himself being expendable. So that's probably that's the first poor call is we need to get people out. Then it is a case of 
Center forward is probably the number one, and I would say only position, because you know wingers have been okay. You know you can flip some players around. Caviero has had his struggles, but he's okay. We've got um, Adam Olukman; he's had his struggles. He's okay. Bobby Reed can play out wide. I think we're fine. Again, could we do better? Yes, but it's not a pressing need. But a backup center forward for Alexander Mitrovic is where we need to go. I I agree with that. Um... And it's funny because you know, at the end of the last transfer window, when we got all the business in, it was clear that we were still lacking in attack. And I think the general consensus was we needed to get a quality right mid in to complement Lukman and Mitrovic up top. And as the season's progressed, it's kind of flipped the other way around now because Mitrovic isn't playing. He's clearly not part of Parker's plans. And I think Bobby Reed's proved he can kind of do a good enough job at right mid. We've also got Tete coming back and him and I can play well on that side together and we've got all the, all the options that are already outlined so really it's kind of getting a decent centre forward in who can finish who's a bit more mobile than Mitrovic and can really just contribute to the goals um, and I think you know that's the key position another right would be bonus I think also it might be worth looking at some form of a creative midfielder as well because you know, Parker's been flipping between Kearney and Loftus-Cheek Kearney he's been doing okay but there's kind of the general consensus that he's not quite up for it at this level and Loftus-Cheek has been, well, he's been a bit of a flop so far. So there's, you know, there's a good kind of argument there that a new number 10 could be needed as well. But that's just optimistic thinking at this point, I think. You say that about Loftus-Cheek being a flop, but I saw a a thing in the uh, the press the other day about us, or Parker wanting to, to sign him for 30 million if we stay up. Which um, I don't think he's given us thirty millions worth of um, performance so far, has he? Absolutely not. And he's only twenty-four years old, so he's yet to reach his peak. And he's just come back from a long-term injury. We know that. But at the same time, he's been with us for half a season now, and he's supposedly fully fit. And he hasn't really done anything of note, to be honest. I mean, maybe maybe being a flop is a bit harsh, but he's, he scored a goal, but we lost anyway. But other than that, I don't really know what he's done like maybe Parker's playing him out of position a bit because he's kind of playing him in a false nine um center forward role and maybe he needs to be a bit you know further back in midfield but yeah he hasn't really offered much so far all right well let's move on let's move on to Saturday's game with QPR then the FA Cup is a competition that the club rarely seem to make much progress in we ask whether it could provide a useful distraction or whether it's best about early every season you know, always kind of thinking about let's concentrate on the league. But of course, every season's different. How do you feel this season, Baldo? Have a, have a run in the FA Cup or just concentrate on the league? Uh, I remember at the start of the season, I said that I didn't want the sole thing to be just scraping 17th. I said that I wanted a good cup run in there as well. And we did okay in the League Cup, but I do think that the FA Cup, especially given, you know, the first game that we've got, I think we can easily get we can easily get through that. So I would like to see a decent cup run thrown in there as well, especially in this season of all seasons where everything is up in the air and you don't know what can happen. It is what it is one of those seasons where you know why not us? Why can't we go and do it? You know, you saw Hounslow Town make it to the semi-finals of the League Cup. Why can't we go and do go and do something similar? So I would quite like to see a decent run. I'm not expecting us to go and win it, but if we can get to the quarterfinals, semi-finals maybe, if fans are at Wembley at that point, then you never know. It should, they never, never know. It should be fun. What about you, Stato? Do you fancy a cup run? Um, 
I, I, I don't really care to be honest about the FA Cup this year. And, you know, I would care about it most years. It's a fun competition to be in. But we mentioned earlier, we've, we've got all these midweek games. Do we really want the distraction of a few extra cup games in there as well? We've just had this COVID outbreak coming in. So, you know, there's a chance we may not be a full strength on Saturday. So will I care that we'll go out? Not really, even if it is against, even if it is against QPR. Um, you know, this this season of all seasons, you know, is probably one to not worry about a cup competition. I'd rather just us focus on trying to stay in the league. You know, it, it, you say a cup can be a distraction, that's fine, but we don't really need a distraction at the moment. We need to focus on the league and we need to try and focus on staying up. So, yeah, I, the FA Cup can kind of take a bit of a backseat this year, in my, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm I'm failing to get excited about it if if I'm completely honest with you this this season and I guess, I guess I kind of feel like this every year you know historically in um in when we've been in the Premier League we've got knocked out by a lower league side <clears throat> last time we were in the Premier League it was Oldham that did us wasn't it in in uh, the third, third round um and then last season I think um we ended up going out away at Man City which you know is another fixture that you look at thinking do we really need this this fixture we know what's going to happen here um, so that being said, it's always nice to beat QPR. So I, I wouldn't want to lose um, on on Saturday, of course not. Um, but when we inevitably do go out of the FA Cup, then I'm I'm probably not going to lose too much sleep. The tie's got the added spice of being a London derby, and we last met at the Kai and Prince Foundation Stadium at the end of June when we came from behind to win two one with goals from Harry Arter and Cyrus Christie, who are both now at Nottingham Forest. QPR currently sit 20th in the championship with just four wins out of their 22 games. It hasn't quite happened for Mark Warburton in Shepherds Bush so far. What sort of challenge do you think they'll pose for us on Saturday afternoon, Stato? Um, not much of a challenge, if I've got to be honest. Um, just looking at a few of their stats and their current form table, you know, like, as you mentioned, they've only just got four wins this season, which places them two points above the relegation zone. They're, they haven't really made any big signings this year. I, I don't know if there's some financial issues going around. I think there is with Tony Fernandez, But yeah, they're kind of a team that is very thin on championship quality and is quite lucky to be in the division based on that squad at the moment. Um, their last win came back in late November. So yeah, they're on a big winless one of nine games. Uh, they're scoring less than a go a game at the moment and conceding an average of 1.4 um, yeah, it's just quite a woeful season so far. So woeful, in fact, that this is their worst kind of after 22 games. This is the worst they've been in over 10 years. So you know, this is the weakest QPR I've been in some time. Um, and it just goes to show, you know, their home form is awful as well. They've conceded at least one goal in 73% of their home games, and have failed to score in 45% of those. And you know kind of the, the icing on the cake there is that they have not scored in their last three home games at all. So they're definitely there for the taking. I'd, I'd be a bit kind of upset if we don't kind of win. That being said, it's games like this where clubs who are having a, a pretty poor domestic season can really kind of pull something out of the bag unexpectedly in the FA Cup. What do you think, Baldo? Do you think do you think that they're there for the taking, or do you think that this is going to be a tougher game than than Stato's just made out? I think that I think they're there for the taking. I think we should still, you know, regardless of what squad we're able to put out, I think we should absolutely still still be able to still be able to beat them. 
Um, but you do, but you do raise a good point. You know, as I mentioned earlier, this is the season where sort of anything can happen, and so it will be a case again, depending on what team we put out. Scott Parker may just say, right, given the situation of who we can put out and the rest of the season, stick the under 18s out, and you know, if we go through, we go through. If not, meh, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter to me. So yeah, there is there is always that danger with with QPR, especially if they want to put out a strong side as well. So. It could it could be a tough one, but I'm not fe- I'm not feeling you know worried or anything like that. You know, go back back to your earlier question: Do they represent a challenge? No, I don't think they do. All right, Stato, have you got any other stats for us? Yeah, so I did a quick look at kind of the FA Cup form for both us and QPR, and I'll do QPR first because you know any kind of worries I had about potential cup set were kind of further calmed by looking at QPR's record in the FA Cup and it's it's quite shocking to be honest so they've only progressed past the third round six times since the turn of um, the millennium not the century the millennium um the only time that they have done this where they have beaten a premier league team was the 2012-13 season where they were a prem team themselves so it wasn't really considered a cup, cup set so, you know, they've got past the third round, but five out of those six times they were playing lower league teams. Um, and, you know, the last time that QPR actually managed to beat a team in a division above them in the FA Cup was way back in 1994-95 um, when they beat West Ham. So, you know, they're not really known for their cup sets or beating teams above them in divisions above them. They've reached the final ones. We've reached the final ones as well, of course. We both lost that. Um, but other than that, you know, they've kind of gone out at the third round the majority of the time and really haven't caused any major cup sets. Um, you know, likewise, I thought I'd take a look at Fulham's cup run form to see how we've got on. And, you know, I don't remember any kind of highlights within the last 10, 20 years other than that Spurs game where we got to the quarterfinals, took them to a replay and lost 1-0, I believe it was. Um, that was during our Europa League run. So obviously the Europa League took priority at that point. Um, but more concerning, I'm looking at when we've been knocked out by teams in lower divisions than us. And since the start of the millennium, this has happened five times. Obviously, we had uh, Oldham two years ago, Sheffield United back in 13-14. I was there. That was an absolute dire game. Uh, Bristol Rovers in 07-08, Leighton in 05-06 and Burnley in 2002-03. Uh, finally, you know, we played QPR three times in the FA Cup and we've won it each time. Um, the earliest being 1906 and the latest being in 1979. So, yeah, the stats are in our favour massively. QPR aren't big on cup sets. I did a quick look at some, you know, who their key players were this year. Um, and because they've had quite a woeful season, their stats don't look great, to be honest. So, you know, you've got players like um, Ilyash Chair, who's their joint top scorer. He plays in attacking mid, but he's got no, no assists, but he does kind of average a lot of key passes per game. So I think if we can kind of nullify him, then, you know, they won't have much to going forward. Um, their main striker being Lyndon Dykes, who was signed from Livingston early this year. And again, he's got five goals and one assist. It's, it's, it's I'm looking at it and I'm just really not, don't feel that threatened no matter what team we put out. So yeah, there's really not much there. And also shout out to Bright Osai Samuel, um, shout out to Jay Mack as well, who loves this player. Um, 23-year-old English winger, three goals and two assists this year. Again, for the championship, that's kind of book standard. So, yeah, I wouldn't say there's much there's much threat from them. But hey, you can quote me. You can quote me again when we lose to them on Saturday about that lack of threat. 
That's the spirit, mate. All right, thank you for that. Well, Baldo, let's let's come back to you then and get your lineup prediction for this game. Do you think we might see the likes of Kenny Tete? Yeah, I think there probably will be there will be substantial changes because of you know what's gone on and because this is the FA Cup, and so I imagine there will be likes of Kevin Mac- Kevin McDonald. I reckon will get a run out. I reckon Seri will probably be put in the shop window, as it were. Well, hang on a minute. What 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 about the the squad of twenty five? Does that not come into contention then for for FA Cup? For the, F, for the FA Cup, I didn't think so. I thought that was just a Premier League thing. By all means, tell tell me I'm wrong, but I don't think that's the case for the no, FA you're Cup. Right, yeah, because that's because that's why players are allowed to. That's why teams can put the youth youth side out because it doesn't really. Oh, matter. I see. All right. So yeah, so yeah, so I imagine there will be. I reckon there will be some experienced players like Kevin McDowell, like John Maselseri, Tete, who's on his way back from injury, will probably play. Reem again. You want some level of you know solidity and experience, but not hurting the first team players. Although I would quite like to see a couple of the young, the promising youngsters coming through. We do have a couple. Uh, George Wickens, the goalkeeper. I've, I've been impressed from what I've seen from him. And if any of you have been following my Twitter feed will know I love Fabio Carvalho. I think he is going to be the next big thing from this club. So I would absolutely love uh, right winger. I'd love to see him start the game and absolutely tear QPR apart. So all right, so a little a little bit of a mix. Enough enough to get through whilst at the same time protecting the first team players. Okay, and how about for you, Stato? Yeah, similar vibe. I'd quite like to see Rodak play. He's kind of had the short end of the stick this season because Ariel has come in and he's clearly the better keeper, so it'd be quite nice for Rodak to get a bit of game time. Tete coming in at wide back makes sense, give him a bit of fitness, playing for 60, 65 minutes and then replace him with a doy or a youngster. Reeman Hector, we know they can do a job against championship teams, so you know, they'll probably get some game time with Joe Bryan at left back. K Mac and Steph Joe, this could kind of be their farewell game for us because you know we win this game, the FA Cup. There is another, there will be another FA Cup game in January if we do progress, but they could well be gone at this point. So this could kind of be the farewell game for them. So in that regard, I'd like to see them two play, and then just for nostalgia's sake, play Kearney just so we can that, get that final three midfield one more time before. They go their separate ways. Would agree. I'd like to see Fabio Carvalho play. I've heard such good things about him, but I haven't really seen much uh, apart from the odd YouTube clip from the under twenty one. So we could see him play. Um, and yeah, any variation of our attack, maybe see Kamara play up front because he hasn't played much this year. Maybe see Cabano. But you know, we can be flexible there. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see, especially with us being out with COVID. It's probably a smart idea to not play some of our first team players either. Really, so. Yeah, it should be interesting to see. Can I just put can I just point out, Stato, with that whole let's get K Mac, Steph Joe, and Tom Kearney back for one final game, you are very, very much bordering on the whole John Terry coming off in the 26th minute sort of vibe with that, just to give them one final game and then give them the triple substitution so they all, all leave the pitch together. You are bordering <laughs> on that line sort of thing. Bordering, but at the same time, you know, those three in midfield against this QPR team would absolutely destroy them. It'd be it'd be nice to see that one more time. Just you know, oh, that yeah, oh, great yeah, trio dis- again. Not, just oh yeah, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying the emotional side of it. You are just you are just bordering there. Yeah, there'll be tears, of course. There'll be plenty of tears. I'm not. I'm not even sure if Kearney's fit. Is he? I saw a picture of him with his with his leg up uh, on the on the treatment table over Christmas. I think at some point. Not sure. Not uh, sure how long ago that was. He's had a nice two-week break, as has the rest of the team, so maybe he'll be fit. But if not, give Serio an out, or maybe Onoma, he could be fit. So, you know, plenty of opportunity for players who haven't kind of featured this year to kind of stake a claim and put, put in a good performance. 
All right, fair enough. All right, let's come to you then, Baldo, for your score prediction before before we go. Uh, a comfortable, a comfortable two nil. As as Stat said, I don't see much. You know, Stat gave the stats. You know, you don't see any threat from them, so we should be able to uh, deal with them comfortably. So two nil. I can't see it being nil. I I think we'll get a few goals. Uh, let's 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 say two one. I can't see us keeping a clean sheet. It's just the FA Cup. Anything can happen. It'd be a classic cup tie. What do you reckon, Stato? Yeah, I think I think I think a nice little two three nil win. This could be the game that we remember that you know Carvalho scores his first senior goal for Fulham. It could be one of those types of games. It's yeah, it's just a nice easy game. If we lose, meh, oh well. But you know, I can't see that happening, and I think it'd just be a nice, comfortable win for us. I just don't want to draw because I don't want it to go to penalties because that's just a disaster waiting to happen. Given what's happened oh, this that'd season, be funny, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, it would. Yeah, sad laughter. It would be pretty funny, but yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't want it, surely. Do the FA Cup games go to extra time and then penalties? Yes, I know it's, it's got to be decided so. on the. I know it's got to be decided on the day because there's no replays. I don't know if there's extra oh, okay. time. All right, sorry, I put you on the spot there. We haven't looked it up. All right, that's your lot for this week. Then we'll be back on Monday to see whether or not our name remains in the hat for the fourth round. Thanks, Baldo and Stasso, for joining me, and thanks to you for listening at home. Stay warm, stay safe, and speak.